Welcome to the Beyond the Reef podcast, where I talk to experts and researchers in the reef aquarium hobby, discussing a broad range of topics from corals and reef biology to water chemistry and equipment. We take a deep dive into our guests' methods, techniques, and top reef keeping tips. My name is Adam Sutherland, and I am the owner-operator of Frag Garage Corals, based out of British Columbia, Canada. This episode, I am joined by Anan Kaimal, who runs Collectors Corals, which you can check out at collectorscorals.com. Anan has been in the hobby since 2008 and is based out of Oak Brook, Illinois. Anan is an absolute wizard at growing corals, and we get into a lot of his methodology, including his use of the Moonshiners system. We also talk quite a bit about feeding your corals and incorporating the use of carbon sources. Thanks to the direct support of hobbyist Bobby Heath, I'm happy to bring this podcast to you absolutely ad-free. If you want to support us, the best things you can do are like, share, write us a review, and definitely subscribe. Not enough people are hitting subscribe. And if you have any comments or questions or suggestions for future guests, please reach out. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did with Anan Kaimal of Collectors Corals. Okay, we're on. So, uh, yeah, I actually got quite a few recommendations to talk to you from. You've been highly, highly spoken of. So, <laughs> like to get oh, into thank you. get into stuff with you. Uh, maybe you can uh, kind of give me a little kind of, I don't know, maybe background or just kind of walk me through your kind of setups and and systems. So yeah, like I, I started in the, the I mean getting into the hobby back in 2008 uh, okay. when everybody was into super low nutrient system with zero weight and all that mm-hmm. stuff and uh, I started that way and uh, I was trying to achieve zero phosphate and zero nitrates you know mm-hmm. back then that was the goal and uh, I mean things worked out because you're running halides and T5s you know yeah it doesn't matter any of the nutrient stuff it just those lights can just grow corals. So, yeah, you you think um, maybe those lights, just the spectrum in general, provided maybe more of what the corals needed outside of those nutrient needs. Like, do you think that the lights we're using now kind of affect the corals more in terms of the nutrient uptake? Or I'm thinking probably the the lights provided um, the the extra push the corals needed maybe mm-hmm. the LEDs are still missing maybe something I mean it's hard to pinpoint right but uh, that full coverage and um, I find like so I was using a tiny light mover to move my 400 watt watt radium so mm-hmm. the corals were not getting like straight out like focus light so it was moving back and forth I mean the the growth was just ex- it exploded you know like in three four years the tank was full it was my first system was 240 gallon cube, and uh, yeah, that's pretty big for a corals... first system. That's pretty like I know. <laughs> most people work their way up to that. <laughs> I mean, uh, before that, it was. I mean, I had freshwater tanks, 40 gallons, all mm. kinds of stuff. But then, uh, I mean, I knew I'm buying all this equipment, and it's a one-time thing. And back then, you know, so I just wanted to make sure that this. I just do it once, and I'm done for like 10 mm. years. You know, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean. Everything worked out great, and then uh, flat worms come in from uh, Indonesia. Mm-hmm. So back in the, the 2012, I think I, my my friend was getting these corals out of Indonesia, like nice stuff. And uh, who knew about flat worms? You know, so yeah. these things came into the system. I remember and, seeing them uh, for the first time and kind of not 
really quite knowing what we were looking at. Like we'd see all these egg uh, clutches and some of the corals oh, yeah. were doing so well, but we didn't really uh, dip corals even that much, especially back in the early 2000s. There wasn't like dipping protocol. I would say maybe around 2008 was, you know, definitely more of a standardized thing. But... That's exactly. Yeah. But like, yeah, I remember seeing yeah. those eggs and just being like, huh, that's weird. That's, is that some kind of algae? Like, I don't know. And there were so many of them. <laughs> they definitely. Oh, totally. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and then the colonies were just so. I had like huge milli colonies, like all kind, all different colors. You cannot even find them now. Mm -hmm. I had a, like a super cream white white milli, like I could never get it again, and mm -hmm. all of them just got wiped out, you know, like over the next couple of months. And uh, I, I mean, then I just took out everything. It was dipping, dipping for <laughs> dipping for like months, you know, mm -hmm. every week, and uh, and was able to save some of them, and then. Um, in 2017, then I finally had to move houses, and then mm -hmm. I had to get rid of my 240. So um, hard to move I, that size. Ah, uh, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And uh, it didn't fit the configuration of the of the new room it's going to be. So mm -hmm. I had to get a longer tank. So I ended up getting a 375. Nice. Uh, okay. Eight feet. Yeah, eight feet long. Um, but I still miss the depth of the four feet mm -hmm. by four feet cube. You know what? Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, and then, um, yeah, with the move, so I kind of moved all the corals into a, into a, into a trough over here for almost like six, seven months. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, I was running a semi system, I mean, semi, um, normal system for almost six, eight months. And, uh, towards the end of it, one of the water heaters broke and then killed a bunch of oh, no. <laughs> corals. I know. <laughs> Yeah. So this was like a temporary so, system you're saying, or this yeah, was, yeah. a temporary system yeah. before I set up the big one. So I was uh, working on getting one and then the, uh, but it was, it was funny. So I'm looking at the, at the, at the, at the 60 gallon drum and I see corals looking like zeovit, like, mm -hmm. you know, the coral spur, the zeospur. Right? Yeah. Zeospur will kind of, I guess, yeah, decreases that kind of effect. So everything yeah. was looking so pale and I thought, Oh, what am I doing? Like, then I see like boiling the, the, um, the hot water heater broken and started boiling mm -hmm. in the sun. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, yeah and I it's know. not like you had another system you could throw everything in um, exactly. to try to recover them. Exactly. The, the, the only time I've had kind of a ma you know major, semi-major crash, I luckily I had mm -hmm. three other systems. So, you know, I just immediately mm -hmm. pulled everything out that was, um, you know, like the most valuable, <laughs> you know, <laughs> rarest, you know, special stuff. And, and I was surprised, uh -huh. actually. Corals can come back from like totally. almost completely white and sometimes you think like like is there mm -hmm. even tissue there anymore but like the tissue will just mm -hmm. get really really thin and and if you you know if you really really take your time and and i don't know are you very careful with light um you know there's ways to get them mm -hmm. back do you have any kind of tricks you would say for recovering like compromised corals um so the main thing i noticed i, I dose phosphate every day mm -hmm. so i dose about 0 0.05 ppm of phosphate on a 0.005 so yeah not even 0 0.01 so that kind of gives a little bit of phosphate to keep them happy mm -hmm. i feel that little bit of phosphate kind of helps them recover mm -hmm. all the time like i used to have random frags you know dice sometimes like new ones come in after i do after i started doing this i mean uh I hardly get any, I mean, I, don't, I don't hardly see any frags dying, you know, once in a while. Mm -hmm. Everything, like, it's just solid, like, so 
um, running that car. I mean, and then I ran a little bit of carbon. I started doing this probably a two months, I mean, two months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I I run the BRS uh, ROX carbon. I mean, I used to run the ESV carbon before, but I ran out of it. I mean, that's the best yeah, carbon. I that's feel. a good carbon. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I was running that like a half an hour every six hours. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so intermittently. So, um, yeah, intermittently, so that yeah. so that the bacteria doesn't die in the in the canister. You know, yeah, so I just see. have to push water through it every six hours. So that's kind of also helping the um, what do you call it, the speciosis. I I kind of noticed. Mm. Because uh, one species, so like you know, like the polyps are all out, and then it started receding, and then it's a kind of uh, on the way to death, you know. But yeah. this stopped that process, you know. It kind of looks a little happier now, right now. And it's an experiment I'm I'm running right now with the species. Mm-hmm. So like that's the only thing I can I can figure out yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's an interesting approach uh, to carbon too. I mean, I've always. I don't run it all the time, but I've always been pretty like I like I think carbon actually, even though sometimes they say it'll stay active for a couple of weeks or a month or whatever. I think it's really only like quite active in the first day or two. And then it kind of mm-hmm. starts. It probably doesn't do nothing, but it doesn't do that much after that point. So I, I guess by running it, um, you know, kind of in intervals, you're probably extending mm-hmm. that that initial life quite a yeah. bit. Yeah. And yeah. And the thing I noticed, so. I set up the Apex program to just kick it off once uh, every six hours or 30 minutes, but then I realized I didn't set some of the programming right. And it was actually running, it ran for one day, and I noticed some of the fresh cut frags just RT. And so mm-hmm. it's so dangerous, right? If you if you just run the whole, yeah. whole canister for the whole day. Yeah, I just, uh, so yeah, I mean, but it's running it for half an hour every six hours. Like it, it makes. I nothing is. I mean, everything is good. The quarter is clear. Uh, the polyps are out most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the main thing I also yeah. So last year I had this issue where I started pulling in air from outside into the skimmer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just things started going south right after that. Really, and I couldn't figure out for the longest time what was going on. I did all the ICP tests. Nothing shows up. Then finally I realized I thought maybe I just should just try the. Uh, uh, the the end doc test, the carbon test, mm-hmm. is one of the separate ICP tests that uh, Triton gives. Mm-hmm. I don't think so I know I about that the, test. It's a, a carbon test. Uh, yeah, it's called end doc. So it okay. it uh, it tests a ratio of nitrogen to carbon to mm-hmm. phosphorus. Okay. So it uh, it shows you the gold field ratio in your tank. You know yeah. how the system is doing that on that side of things. Yeah. And my organic carbon was off the chart. So I was supposed to be at four mm-hmm. or less. And my system had twelve. Hmm. Okay. Crazy. Yeah. Well, that's that's something to kind of look into for um, problem solving. Um, and so, okay. how was this getting into the system? This was getting in from the outside uh, air. So the outside air. So it was it was pulling in pollen. It was pulling in exhaust gases. All kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And so a prob- it doesn't matter where. The, yeah. Probably Sorry. a lot of care or thought needs to go into where that actual intake is, but maybe there isn't that much mm-hmm. you can do. And also, depending on the season, like you say, pollen or something is not going to be around mm-hmm. all year, but um, you mm-hmm. know, it's going to be a problem certain times a year. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, like I, I guess, yeah, I have taken outside source air before um, and uh-huh. not noticed a huge difference. But I actually don't have like a CO two gauge in my um, in my garage. Probably something. Mm-hmm. They're not even expensive. I'd be curious to see what I what I get. But my pH on my tanks is high, so um, you know. yeah. 
And uh, okay, so I was talking to one of my friends about this whole carbon thing, and he said like, so once his uh, his wife spilled some um, gas in the garage, and the skimmer was pulling air from the garage, mm-hmm. and coral started dying right afterwards. Yeah. So any any organic carbon fumes, you know, like uh, those carbon chains, if it gets pulled into the system, you know, it's going to poison the corals. Like that's what I kind of noticed, you know. So mm-hmm. the tenuses were turning gray. And then just dying off. So crazy. Yeah, I couldn't figure out like almost like four or five months what was going on. You know, mm-hmm. it was just just insane. So yeah, cool. I, once I crazy. cut the airline, and then I got a, a heat recovery ventilator for the basement. So yeah, it has a filter and it puts in air, and my pH stabilized, no more issues. Yeah, and I just run some carbon just in case, you know. Yeah, yeah. So all that bad stuff what pulled pulled out by the. The our the um, ESV carbon I ran so mm-hmm. um, so the next uh, next end doc test I did a f- two months later it was already down to six and then uh, the subsequent one I was down to three point eight or something yeah. so yeah um, yeah cool well, I mean if that's not an option for some people I know some will filter the they'll put some kind of filtration on the air intake that's going to the skimmer mm. from outside um, yes, I'm sure there's effective exactly. ways of doing that you know in the same way that yeah, the totally. HRV does but um, yeah so what yeah. do your systems look like at home now do you have a display and then a frag tank as well uh, yeah so it all started with the 375 gallon display Mm-hmm. Um, soon after that, I added a 50-gallon low boy as a frag tank when the corals were growing. Then that was not enough. Then I added a 150-gallon 13-inch uh, tall 6x4 tank mm-hmm. uh, where I'm growing uh, more, more stuff and I'm now running out of space again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, so... <laughs> I saw some pictures of the build and stuff. It looks like uh, yeah. it looks like a nice setup. But yeah, from from the yeah. photos of when you first started putting some mini colonies in there to like a year and a half later, it's looking pretty stocked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the main, um, the hardest thing was like when my, I had a huge homewrecker colony and mm-hmm. a huge angry bird colony that was peeling off. Oh, in between I had the tropic marine, turkey mm-hmm. salt issue. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the foliage were fully open and you can see the skin just peeling off. It wow. was the hardest yeah. thing to see. Yeah, that is uh, probably with SPS, that's one of the hardest things to kind of wrap your head around, too, is how a coral can be like full color, full polyp extension, (laughs) and just completely be like shedding off tissue. Tissues, exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, um, uh, so what salt did you end up landing on after you moved away from TM? um, No, I I mean, so I tried Red Sea for a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I switched back to German Tropic Marine mm-hmm. yeah. because I had the best results with the salt. So I knew they probably messed up something in Turkey. And yeah. as soon as I started using German salt again, everything is back to normal. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's what Actually. I'm using too. I'm using the German the German uh, yeah. Pro Reef. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm about two months into it and, and things look good. So um, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, I've been using it till since 2010. So mm-hmm. never had an issue until this one, you know. So, yeah. But, yeah cool yeah Yeah. um so i guess like do you like you don't sell coral as like a full-time job this is kind of a a bonus for you Uh, exactly yeah Yeah. the year bonus right yeah 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 it's uh so i was doing it as a hobby for almost 15 16 years and i thought i mean i'm i can grow these things well you know so as well um have a side business and see how it goes you know Mm -hmm. so that's where i started 
trying to make it into a business. So, yeah, yeah. It's kind of yeah. like once you get to a certain point and you have, especially some quarrels with value, um, it's kind of inevitable <laughs> that you're going to probably sell some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah it's uh, yeah. It's a, yeah. it's a nice benefit to the hobby. Sometimes I think of, you know, it's like um, there's people that collect things like say you collect coins or stamps or, mm -hmm. you know, something that's just just that thing just exists and it doesn't, you know, you just, hey, look at this. But we collect something that reproduces more of itself and it's quite valuable. So uh, I know it's kind, totally. of a, kind of a cool uh, hobby as far as collection goes when it, when it comes to the financial side exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. and, and the coolest thing was that like so i had one some of my um torch coral spawn and then i ended up getting this this one head survived somehow mm -hmm. it was stuck on the gravel and it looks nothing like any of the other other torches in my cool. system you know it's kind of like it's just unbelievable like all the things you end up with you know yeah so, that's kind yeah. of i think the new frontier of reefing is kind of seeing what kind of morphs we can get out of out of breeding if we can get you know, mm -hmm. different corals to mingle. But I think the torches, especially like if you have a, like uh, a mass spawn where all of your torches spawn, I've heard of people. Yeah. Um, I think farmer Ty was yeah. telling me that too. They had quite a few uh -huh. spawn in their system. And he's like, yeah. I didn't buy that. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'll send you a, a video of that one. You know, it just looks like totally a, out of place doesn't belong mm -hmm. anywhere. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. kind of, yeah. Cool. Is it, is it really nice? Like, would you say it's going to yeah. be, yeah. It, it it looks spectacular just um like a, just a holy grail with fat tips like the tips look like double the size of a normal torch mm, yeah uh, with uh, with the asd type of tips you know yeah cool and yeah. then kind of orangish filaments yeah well i'm sure yeah. like the the parents are probably good looking so the chances are that their <laughs> offspring will <laughs> will be good looking too <laughs> exactly <laughs> so as a lot yeah. of what you culture and grow um yeah like do you do you do you Im like bring in any wild colonies or maricultured stuff and grow it out or is a lot of your collection like aquacultured it's all aquaculture so i grow everything from three quarters to one inch frags yeah. uh, that it's like people from people like farmer to ity or mm -hmm. shane yeah. um pirates like all the i yeah. mean all the collectors i just get the frags from yeah them you know and Racing reefs, who else? Um, 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 TCK. Yeah. yeah. Those are like some of the people I just get the frags from and then start growing from there, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Yeah. It's that and, investment, hey? It's like starting, you know, sometimes it's going to be a year or sometimes more mm -hmm. before it's um, mm -hmm. like I know for me, um, like I don't mm -hmm. cut anything until I consider it to be a sustainable colony size where. You, know, exactly. you kind of get it to that point where you know you can make a frag or two here or uh -huh. there, and by the next time you mm -hmm. need one, you've got another mm -hmm. frag grown. But if you just keep cutting a little inch and a half every time there's a new branch, you just you you know you need it to get to that exponential point. Totally. Yeah. That's why, like, so I got my three quarter inch hunks rainbow, and it was sitting in my system for almost three three and a half years. I didn't touch it for three and a half years, and it became a nice, beautiful colony. You know, then finally. I just made a few frags just like last month. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, nice. Yeah, there's no point in cutting until it becomes a colony, as you said. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. totally. And yeah. and that's like, yeah, for me as a buyer too, that's kind of what mm -hmm. I trust the most is a multi generational, um, you know, mm -hmm. healthy coral that's gone through 
the testing mm -hmm. process. Uh, do you are you sort of mainly SPS focused? Or I guess you've got torches. Do you kind of do some other LPS too? Mm. Torches, like so, I ended up getting the torches just to hedge the SPS. I know torches are more much more hardier than the SPS. You know, some can, and mm -hmm. especially when the Tropic Marine issue hit, the torches didn't flinch at all. They were oh, like really? as if nothing happened. You know, that's good. Yeah, and yeah, even with the carbon issue, the torches just grew as if everything is normal. Mm -hmm. So it kind of helped. You know, like I didn't lose everything. You know, like I just lost all the tenuouses I had, but. Mm. All the other SPS was kind of okay. So yeah, I grow uh, the torches as well now. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, all yeah. of them are growing nice and big. And yeah, but main focus is SPS. So yeah. I make them keep them happy. Yeah. As far as torches, um, like I kind of feel like they can take quite a bit of par. Or at least certain certain varieties can. Like, do you? Mm -hmm. How do you treat them in terms of placement compared to like you know like a tenuous or something like that? Um, right now, like the torches are, are sitting in my SPS system. Mm -hmm. um, so it is getting between 375 to 450 par yeah. in the, the grow out. And the torches seems to be fine taking that par along with the SPS. So I don't keep them separately from the SPS. Yeah. It's all in one system. Kind of just treat them the same way, yeah. maybe a little less flow if if it works yeah, out that way. Yeah, let's flow. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, because yeah, I was over at uh, Ray Pirates Reef Place in Miami back earlier, or early November, and, uh -huh. you know, he's got his holy grails, and they're, like, just placed uh -huh. like any of the SPS, and the color is so bright <laughs> on them, and I'm just like, I oh, think yeah. I probably need to ramp up the lights <laughs> on my torches, because... Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, I think yeah. specifically torches of, of any of the euphelia, I think they can take more light than, um, mm -hmm. you know, hammers and frog spawns and things like that. And yeah. probably the issue back, back in the day was that we are not providing all the other trace elements, right? So mm -hmm. especially like fluoride at 1.31 probably, you know, helps those torches take up more bar, you know, like some of the trace elements is, and yeah. the nutrients probably helping them. Yeah. yeah, maybe, yeah, it's part of kind of what helps them synthesize their kind of... UV mm -hmm. protection or whatever, whatever kind of, yeah. Um, do you think like right. the higher par actually makes them grow faster or is it more of a coloration thing? For Both. The, for, like, yeah. uh, like one of those um, torches I got back in 2021, it probably got 100 heads on it already. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it's just massive. Wow. Like it, it grew from two heads. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah, again, yeah. you know, can be lucrative when you figure out how to grow <laughs> corals fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the thing is that, so don't get any direct flow on it, I kind of understood. Mm -hmm. So I put one jab out right next behind the torch and it's heading to the surface and it's doing the the sine wave, like on and off pulsing flow. Mm -hmm. And the torch is sitting right next to right, right in front of it and it, it's still fully open. Yeah. Yeah, and the flow is the main thing, I feel like. They need to get the right flow, and they are happy. Yeah, uh, something I've seen when I saw some torches with the best polyp extension I've ever seen on a torch was the guy was telling me that he kind of gets the flow. I mean, I, he has taller stalks on, on those colonies, um, but he gets the flow, so it kind of comes up underneath the polyp as opposed to over it or into oh, the side yeah. of it. And if you kind of uh -huh. come up under it, I think it's probably the healthiest kind of way for it to get flow around it too under a right yeah oh makes sense actually yeah 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 hmm. so yeah. I, I i guess we could talk about trace elements a little bit um are, are mm -hmm. you're doing regular icps are you doing any kind um, of 
uh, trace kind of program? Uh, so I'm on the Moonshiner, so okay. I do the Oshiyama MS test. I've, I've been doing every month religiously for the last six to seven months. And I have been like averaging the uh, daily uh, monthly doses mm-hmm. into dosing pumps. So, um, I mean, I'm kind of able to maintain all the elements at the at the optimum level, like without doing a monthly correction in the last month. Cool. So um, I kind of have achieved what the system needs. So, so I have cut down the month, the monthly ICB to once in two months now, mm-hmm. and um, trying to see, you know, how things are going. Yeah, I guess it's interesting if you kind of get that dialed in, like your rate mm-hmm. of consumption for, you know, the mm-hmm. various trace. Like, you could essentially get it to a point where, yeah, like I think every two months, you pro- I probably wouldn't be more comfortable with with less than that necessarily mm-hmm. if you continually add them because. Yeah. Just the fact that every system's always changing and going in some direction or another, um, eventually mm-hmm. something's going to get uh, elevated, I guess. But I mean, you're probably mm-hmm. gravitating towards the side of slightly underdoing it than slightly overdoing it. I'm guessing. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, the only thing I'm overdoing is iron, um, but still, I'm within the range that yeah. they want. Yeah. So, but. Otherwise, I, I know like with running carbon and uh, I've been running some ozone in between just to test it out. Mm-hmm. And those things deplete iron so fast. So I just give the system a little bit more iron than needed yeah. sometimes. I yeah. Know. yeah. Yeah. Iron seems to be one of those things that like you can dose it one day and test for it the next and it'll be gone. Like it's so it's gone, right? readily used mm-hmm. up. So I, mm-hmm. you know, I don't mm-hmm. know how much it takes to reach a saturation point, but um, I also th- mm-hmm. think the iron products that are on the market, as far as uh, trace wise, like I don't know if they're mm-hmm. all created equal. Um, just sort of mm-hmm. talking to some experts about it, there's different ways of creating an iron supplement. I would imagine the Moonshiners mm-hmm. one is good, um, and I would mm-hmm. definitely recommend the um, Captivate, um, the Captivate Culture right. one as well. But uh, uh, some of the other ones, I'm not going to say any names. Um, I'm going to say yeah, yeah, yeah. be a little bit wary um, of it and talk to an expert about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, what else, yeah, else do you yeah. find is depleted kind of the most and the fastest? Like, what do you kind of add the most of? Uh, manganese seems mm-hmm. to be one uh, that is depleting, and I'm dosing it pretty, pretty. I mean, a good amount in it now. It seems to stabilize. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, nickel uh, was yeah. another thing. Uh, zinc was always depleting fast, and um, and once I dialed in the dosage, the daily dosage. So instead of monthly, I'm just doing daily zinc dosage, and mm-hmm. it's staying at three point, a uh, two point five or three, you know, mm-hmm. almost in range, in range with what they, what it should be. And I think zinc play, plays a major role in the colors and the health of the corals, like yeah. especially on the tenuous to get those golden polyps. You know, I mean, I feel once I had the zinc dialed in. Uh, maybe the manganese and um, fluoride helps with the. I think it helps with the um, the encrustation on the base. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Like my like most of the four by four inch tiles are like fully covered in most of my corals. You know, it is just it's just un- amazing. Like I never could get that kind of base growth before, and now mm-hmm. even the tenuouses are getting covered on the base. You know, like the full tile is getting covered. So. Yeah. 
That is pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, I noticed uh, fluoride was something I paid a little more attention to in the last few months <laughs> over the past few ICPs. And, and I can say the, the <laughs> tips of any blue tip tenuous are vibrantly way more blue than they were. No, totally. Yeah. It's unbelievably. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think the other thing, uh, fluoride actually will give you like stronger skeleton growth. So your, your corals will actually, mm. um, precipitate like their skeletons in a like harder form. So, cause I think mm -hmm. that's always like, you know, I mean, cutting any wild coral, especially say Australia, like, um, their skeletons are hard to cut. Like, you know, those oh, yeah. wild corals yeah. and it makes you realize mm -hmm. it's like when you, if, if you're fragging your corals and they're not that hard to cut, it's like something's going like, yeah, they're growing, but maybe they're not, you know, as robust for whatever reason as, as they would be in the wild. So I think these little things mm -hmm. are kind of contributing to, um, probably better, better growth and, you know, um, overall just healthier corals totally. right? yeah 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 exactly exactly and the daily elements for, for sure i feel like once you maintain those daily elements the six six elements cobalt um iron um iodine and all uh, even iodine even if i if, it, if mine goes below 40 i i can see the difference you know with iodine mm -hmm. so i try to try to bump it up all the way to 80 or 90 and then i can see the difference yeah even even potassium going below 390, I can see the difference, you know, like the yeah. coloration on some of the corals. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and uh, even like getting the magnesium and calcium at, at, at level and not one depleting and the other going up and going down there. Yeah. I mean, what, uh, those I'm able to maintain now, I didn't pay much attention to those when I was paying attention to all these other mm -hmm. elements here. And yeah, <laughs> but it's that ionic yeah. balance I think you're talking about, right? It's, uh, exactly. Yeah, you balance, know, all yeah. of these things yeah. kind of support each other and there's the relationship of calcium and mm -hmm. magnesium and, and strontium's mm -hmm. kind of part of that equation as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, but, oh, yeah. you know, I wonder with strontium too if it's kind of, um, because it's a similar building block to magnesium, like, uh, mm -hmm. do corals fully actually require it or are they just using it in place of magnesium, you know, because it's a similar oh, yeah. ion. It's like, it's like, okay, sure. sure. Like I'll, I'll use this, <laughs> you know, it'll do the same job. So, but some people yeah. swear that, um, elevate or, you know, keeping strontium in natural seawater range is, 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 uh, important. So. Beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm daily, daily dosing strontium as well. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So yeah, just so that I don't have to do that monthly correction. I have noticed if I do some major, some monthly corrections, some of the corals just get wiped out the next day, you know. So yeah, I just try to avoid those corrections with all means possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. your these elements that you add that you've calculated, um, mm -hmm. are you at how often are you adding them? Because you said monthly. Correct? Everything goes in daily. Daily. Uh, it's yeah. all hooked yeah. up to dosers. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is hooked up to. And is it, yeah. um, do you have, do you mix some of them together in an RO solution or do you add them like straight? Straight from the bottle. It's yeah. all hooked up to Red Sea um, okay. dosers and it just keeps dosing every day once, like one dose every day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that seems yeah. to be kind of, I think, what gives the Moonshiner and some of the more trace element kind of based um, method systems um, their success is the, is the daily dosage because mm -hmm. of like we were talking about some of those elements that get used up faster you know mm -hmm. yeah for me actually i noticed chrome is one that gets used pretty fast oh chromium yeah oh with, with chromium i have to say something so 
I have not a not a super elevated chromium in my system for months. Mm. Uh, I was not even dosing chromium. Yeah. And I'm looking everywhere. I couldn't find anything. Then finally, under one zoo colony, I see my my stainless steel tong lying there, and it was completely like uh, oh, no. rotten. Yeah. Rotten and not uh, so stainless, yeah. are they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crazy. So. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, had a, yeah. a a friend of mine had was starting to lose tenuous, and he sent in uh-huh. uh, tenuous uh-huh. and some other corals not looking so good. And he sent in an ICP, and he had really high tin. And uh, it turned oh. out that he had like one of those like little scalpel razor blades um, had dropped in his sump, and it was like fully oh. rusted out. So, um, I, oh wow, you know, I think. Uh, as far you know, some people kind of go like, oh, ICPs aren't necessary, but it's like, mm. you know, even if you're not going to look at trace elements and do this kind of mm-hmm. fine detailed kind of moonshiner type stuff, like still do mm-hmm. one like once or twice a year just to make sure there isn't some weird contaminant. Like, cause tin is like a, like mm-hmm. highly toxic metal to corals that you yeah. know, at it, once it gets to a, like a pretty low level. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. Totally. It's almost like a life insurance policy, you know, just pay the premium every month or two. <laughs> yeah, totally. And yeah. and like, I mean, not saying like everybody has to, like some people reef yeah. in a different way than us where it's a little more kind of just, they just want to enjoy a tank and it's not super hands-on. Mm-hmm. But I don't think those kind of people are listening to these podcasts. I think, you know what I mean? Like this podcast <laughs> is going to be a bit more for the for the yeah. stickheads and, and, you know, people that really want to tweak their systems. So, yeah. And I also felt like adapting to change is the main thing. And people are so set to their old ways of thinking. I just have to reinvent yourself every few years, I feel, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, I I was so much into low nutrient system back in the day. And it took me like for some time to get adjusted to, oh, it's okay to have high phosphate. It's okay to have nit- high nitrates, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just started dosing nitrates and phosphates and I see the difference, you know, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I feel like sometimes and I've gone through this with other aspects of my life, too, is sometimes making a change. It isn't always better right away. You know, like you you're not instantly going to be like, say you're like, OK, I'm going to start running my system with elevated nutrients. You're not going to be a master mm-hmm. of the best way to achieve that right away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah. Actually, that's actually a good segue into uh, feeding and, and nutrient and, you know, how you a- achieve your nutrients. So um, mm-hmm. I guess my first question would be, do your you, I know you add phosphates, but do you add nitrates in a supplement form or you do nitrates? Yes, in a, um, yeah. sodium nitrate, I, I dose it. Um, my system takes about um, 1.5 ppm every day. Mm-hmm. So I have to provide that uh, with sodium nitrate. Okay. Um, and I mean, I've been keeping my system between 15 and 20 nitrates for the longest time. Okay. And I don't really know whether it really benefits in any way. So I'm trying to bring it down to like probably five or so, mm-hmm. where it should be more natural, and still keep the do- maintain it at that level and see you know whether it make any difference you know so yeah yeah I've experimented with it lately a little bit because mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking like I'm thinking about this whole organic nitrates versus inorganic nitrates. Um, Mm-hmm. thing uh, really actually after talking to alan on this podcast <laughs> got me really yeah kind of going like yeah. well if putting a nitrate product in your system is the kind of end process of the nitrification process exactly. like 
is mm -hmm. it actually beneficial to corals in that form? Mm -hmm. Like, um, mm -hmm. so I'm going to do a little, might, I might do a little video on it or something like that. I'm going to talk to some mm -hmm. other experts and kind of see what I kind of come up with. But um, I think I feel like the the best way for you to have a nitrate level is via, you know, feeding and fish poop and, feeding. and you know, that process. Um, because that end product, maybe it has more benefit to like algae and things that you actually don't want to be feeding nutrients to. And True. the corals can't really just take in yeah. those direct nitrates. But um, I don't know, whatever makes you sleep at night, I guess, if your corals look good. But I, like I, <laughs> no, I was going to uh, say, I let my yep. um, nitrates drop to near zero from just not adding uh -huh. any um, you know, nitrate product. Uh -huh. um, and I didn't uh -huh. notice anything yeah. get pale or lighter. You know, and and, oh, and wow. my theory is that you know my nutrients in and nutrients out is at mm -hmm. a point where there isn't zero nitrates. Like you know, it'll test sometimes mm -hmm. two two sometimes sometimes on the wow. the you know it, I'll get a zero reading, but nothing's yeah. gotten pale or light because um, I'm feeding tons of frozen food every day. You know. Oh, wow. so, I wonder, I yes. mean, I would rather not be at zero. I'd rather be sitting at 10 or something like that, but I'd rather achieve uh -huh. that via feeding, um, than, yeah. you know, adding a product. But what, so what are you feeding, um, as far as coral food and fish food and whatnot? So, so I feed rot, rots food, um, when uh, twice a day sometimes Yeah. or once a day, mostly. Um, so big chunks of it just goes in. And then, um, so Alan and me, we have been talking about his his way of doing things with mm -hmm. the with the mix, and uh, I have been doing that for the last three months as well, but not exactly the same products. Yeah. Uh, but I mix all that things, all those up with the uh, zero, the zero with products, yeah. and the bacteria. Yeah. And then feed the feed the whole system twice a week as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't provide any of the the, the nitrate and phosphate-rich foods, so. I don't get a spike on those with the with my feeding, you know. So it's mostly benefits, mm -hmm. um, some uh, aquaforest food or um, SPS food, um, then uh, zeozem, yeah, and uh, with uh, the, the bacteria and mix it up and keep it for six hours and then yeah. pour it in. Yeah, um, yeah, because I th I think if you're gonna be adding uh, bacteria to the system. Um, it makes sense to add it with the food if it's going to kind of help it become more bioavailable. And I guess that mm -hmm. zeozyme is kind of doing something to kind of break it down into a little, you know, mm -hmm. like more more broken down form in some kind of way. But so yeah. you've been doing this the the concoction for about three months, you said, and it's yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. When he started, he bought this up with me, and uh, I I made whatever I can with uh, everything I had, and then kind of tried to mimic the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also like feed my system AcroPower, so I put some AcroPower in there as well. Mm -hmm. uh, for uh, and then just yeah, I've been feeding and I have I see awesome response to tenuosis. Yeah, um, I see some un unbelievable colors in like most of my tenuous, like those golden polyps. You know, I just mm -hmm. I used to have that back in the day before the salt issue. Yeah, it's all back again. You know, it's it's just cool. amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like um, I think I know what you're talking about. The ten tenuous that kind of have that almost that flame kind of tone yeah. to the bottom of the polyp or whatever. Oh, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. So that's yeah, yeah, that's a refined thing that's kind of comes down to some of this tweaking. I think when it comes to the trace and the feeding. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and um, and so um, with nitrous and phosphates, I also thought the, thought of a need for adding some carbon into the system. So I've been carbon dosing a little bit. 
mm-hmm. and i see positive effects from that as well mm-hmm. um because my problem i i am thinking my system is a little carbon limited right now because i am dosing nitrates and phosphates so mm-hmm. i mean while i am dosing all three like the response from the coral is good like i see new shoots on some of the dormant tenuses mm-hmm. so yeah that's somehow helping them grow as well okay interesting yeah i guess kind of one of my concerns with carbon dosing recently and you know having thought a lot more about bacteria over the last i don't know couple years um i'm kind of concerned that carbon dosing mm. might feed some of the bad strains of bacteria in the tank because you can't mm. really pick and choose which ones you want it to support mm. so um mm-hmm. Yeah, like, have you experienced the kind of darkening tissue issue on any of your corals? I've sort of gone back and forth with a couple people on it. Um, like, sometimes um, the strawberry shortcake's kind of a type that might do it, or confetti. Because of carbon dosing, you mean? Well, no, I mean, or the general... theory is that it's a bacterial um, issue oh. with some corals. Um, and, you know, some people I've talked to have, have had good success with, you know, hitting the whole system with bacteria. Um uh, yeah, um, I mean, I used to have that issue with some tenuous and speciosa, for example. Mm-hmm. It just becomes gray and dark and then just die off. And Yeah, uh, and the polyps I mean, kind of smooth over. Like, they they kind of almost just, like, kind of disappear into this, like, smooth tissue oh, in the lower base. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And uh, and I have noticed after I'm, I'm feeding all these things, it's kind of helping them. Um, even with the speciosa, I see that special feeding tentacle come out the the long ones yeah that you don't know you hardly see like yeah, all of those all of those tentacles come out. Yeah, yeah yeah those come out so nicely with the feeding mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's kind of supporting the idea of uh you know we're kind of being doing a probiotic approach to the corals mm-hmm. you know we're adding bacteria like by doing this concoction mm-hmm. or even just by adding mm-hmm. bacteria to the tank um, oh, yeah. you know, you, yeah, you're yeah. supporting that microbiome of the coral, which, mm-hmm. um, I guess gives it a better chance of not being overtaken by some of these, mm-hmm. these bad bacterias mm-hmm. that are, mm-hmm. you know, inevitably like always going to be kicking around, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And my, my reasoning to add the carbon to the, the whole system is, so we are feeding only twice a week, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm providing the carbon source throughout the day as well. It's kind of sustaining the growth of the new, the good bacteria, you know, mm-hmm. it's helped them live longer, you know. Yeah, yeah. Instead of feeding all that food and then just dying off, you know, so uh, I'm hoping that's what is working, but I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's, it's just a theory, you know. So what are you using yeah. for a carbon source? Uh, so it is uh, 60% vinegar and 40% vodka. Okay, interesting. So uh, mixed both... up. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, just to, uh, just to kind I don't of know, you... give a different variety of carbon sources, essentially, is that kind of the idea? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. two different carbon sources, and I don't know whether you know Thomas Baker from Coral Frags. Um, no, I don't think so. I've no. been talking. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in Michigan, so I've been I'm my friend for like probably ten, fifteen years, and yeah, he was he was doing the same thing. So I thought like I'll give it a shot and see you know whether mm-hmm. it helps with things, and uh, it seems to like. Then, I mean, next couple of, after a few days, I could see, like, um, like for the RRC Mardi Gras frag was sitting without any any new growth. Uh, mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's getting, like, shoots at the base, you know, like five, five or six of them hmm. at okay. the same time. Yeah, crazy. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I know so, a couple other people I've talked to recently have mentioned um, 
kind of shifting back to doing some carbon dosing. Um, like I know Aid Coral Euphoria put out a video and I'll put a link to it in this. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. but he did a video where he started carbon dosing again and kind of had put it off, I guess, off his radar for quite a while and then it kind of solved some of his problems um and then uh yeah a couple people have kind of gone back on that so i wonder if um you know it's kind of funny because we kind of have these like fads kind of in the hobby where you know people kind of go like start paying more attention to i don't know like i feel like maybe we're talking about uh adding bacteria to our tanks more again than we were um a few years back because I, I didn't add any bacteria to my tank for like years and then I think mm -hmm. I what I started having was some bacterial issues and my mm -hmm. kind of the things I started looking to was was antibiotics and I was just like mm -hmm. I don't want to hit the whole system with antibiotics I have before mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. you know like I say if we can um, establish a better biomic kind of profile for the tank with adding mm -hmm. bacteria and adding the carbon sources like you say then maybe that's kind mm -hmm. of the better way to to look at it you know and totally maybe and... also maybe uh sorry maybe the um the whole on the wholesaler side or the importer side that's where mm -hmm. some of the antibiotics can be used you know what i mean right. because yeah. then they're not bringing anything in um, like any foreign bacteria in from the ocean that's going to get into our systems. You know, I, I don't mind yeah. the idea of my wholesaler hitting their systems with Cipro or something. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, I mean, I'm thinking of creating a separate tiny system mm -hmm. just to, just to experiment with some imported pieces. You know, I've never done that before. Mm -hmm. uh, just, I mean, I have all the antibiotics, like, so maybe like see what, what brings the, makes them completely healthy, you know. I just want to do an experiment like that and see, you know, yeah. what it costs. But yeah. Yeah, I've got a smaller system I think I'm gonna turn into like essentially like a hospital tank. Like not a quarantine mm -hmm. tank, but a tank that I can, mm -hmm. you know, run some medications mm -hmm. in. Like I had some Zoa colonies mm -hmm. that had um those kind of purple clove polyps on them. And you can knock mm -hmm. those out with like a very low dose of fenbendazole. Um but yeah. I prefer to not put it in the whole tank. So um, mm -hmm. you know, if you just have this like smaller system, you can just kind of put a medication in and then any, it's yeah, not a yeah. huge system. It's like, you know, probably 35 gallons of total water. Um, I can just yeah. swap that water when I do a water change out of one of exactly. my systems. So it really has totally. no cost in terms of, you know, upkeep or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I was thinking the exact same thing with my small system, you know, just a water change in the display. Mm -hmm. I can wipe out the whole water. In the, in yeah, the and I mean, one. the beauty of it, too, so. is then it's the same water as your other corals have. So you can literally exactly. just drop something right in there. It's not like, you know, mm -hmm. some totally mm -hmm. different set mm -hmm. of parameters. Yeah, totally. Um, and yeah. even I just run a pump to just pump in like one gallon every day into that system. You mm -hmm. know, the, yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. Could automate it mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, is there any other product you would say you've kind of seen any big benefit from that you've started using? So, I mean, my, all my tenuses look super amazing when I was using Red Sea ABCD, mm -hmm. uh, based on SBB method. Like that's what I, I shifted to from my low, low nutrient system, like four years ago. Mm -hmm. And I was on SBB method for a while. And those products seem to bring out the color so, so well. Mm -hmm. So, I still for my iodine I use um, the uh, the Red Sea A for that, mm -hmm. and then uh, I also use Red Sea D uh, for the bioactive stuff. So mm -hmm. uh, those two products ki are kind of help with some extra elements that are not in Moonshiners. I feel. yeah. 
That's interesting that you're kind of doing that on top of Moonshiners, because I guess you would kind of say that maybe that system, because it is kind of a trace supplement system, um, mm -hmm. is kind of giving you a baseline, you know, like mm -hmm. a baseline yeah, level. Exactly. And then yeah. your kind of Moonshiners is kind of everything on top of that. Like, I guess for me, I'm doing something similar because I use... Um, basically the fauna marin bowling system and they have trace yeah. that you put in the calcium and alkalinity so that oh, to yeah. me is kind of like my base point and then the changes mm -hmm. i make are kind of a bonus on top of that because yeah you got to think yeah, like yeah. if you're not adding that stuff all the time mm -hmm. um i guess it does it get are you doing uh like a two three part dosing as your made what's your major element kind of um, oh, so the major um, ninety percent of everything is given by calcium reactor, mm -hmm. and then uh, the peak loading is done by two part. Yeah. Uh, so, so the calcium reactor stays stable by just adjusting my two part. So. Yeah. And the pH stays higher, about eight point three as well. We're just just doing this. Yeah. Um, magnesium. Um, I just do the BRS magnesium chloride magnesium sulfide mix, mm -hmm. and feed that as well. Okay. Um, Brightwell strontium, um, Brightwell potassium. So yeah. those are also dosed daily. Okay. Um, um, is the are the um, the Red Sea the four part or whatever? Is that added mm -hmm. to your dose to your to your two part or is it added on its own? Uh, separate dosing pumps for okay. Red, Red Sea A B C D. I just have it hooked up and so, just. Yeah. <laughs> Feel a little bit of it. So, how many dosing pumps are hooked up to your tank? <laughs> I I got twenty two. Wow, right now. <laughs> crazy. Um, actually, yeah. So you said you use some of the Red Sea dose. Um, I actually have quite a few of those as well. But I've had a problem uh -huh. with um with mine. There's two problems, and one of them really pisses me off. Um, and I don't know if maybe you can weigh in on this. I should probably email Red Sea. Um, mm -hmm. but um. Uh, so I have my, my alkalinity is set in for 24 doses a day between 10 a.m. and like 11.30 p.m. kind of thing, right? So uh -huh. I don't really, there's like uh -huh. 10 hours out of the day or 11 hours out of the day, I don't dose alkalinity um, mm -hmm. for my two part. It's just to kind mm -hmm. of part of, uh, part of it is because I want the alkalinity to be dosed during the hours where the corals are growing the most. So I get less of a, oh. of a alkalinity swing. But sometimes the doses per day changes from 24 to 3 without me having mm -hmm. touched anything on the app. Has that ever happened for you? Oh, wow. So the thing is that, okay, so I, I, also, I, I use DOS for uh, two-part, like all the major okay. elements I dose using the DOS because yeah. I already had like four, five DOS in my system, you know. Yeah, before so the I Apex got the dose, yeah. Yeah, the Apex dose, you can customize to just do it the daytime or whenever you want, right? Yeah. So the DOS provides, uh, yeah, so exactly. So I'm doing the same thing. I'm providing the uh, two-part uh, before sunset. I mean, when the when it is dark, you know. Mm -hmm. That's the only time I provide two-part to get the pH stable. Okay, yeah. So you're kind of doing the opposite of me, actually, because I'm actually dosing the two-part during the the peak the more peak hours or the hours that the lights are on peak hours. Um, but I dose uh, my see. opposite thing to you is that I do calc at night so I'm actually uh, so I do calc calcium mm -hmm. reactor and two part mm -hmm. so and I would two say part and calc. yeah and I would say my dosing is made up 50 50 of the um, well the calc is kind of on top of everything but I'd say the dosing and the calcium mm -hmm. reactor are about 50 50 so um, I feel the most confident oh. with that because if one has an issue, the other one's going to kind of at least hold up half of oh, the yes. job, 
you know. Totally. Yeah. So it, it is pretty cool. Like, so when I went on vacation once, my calcium reactor clogged up and uh, mm-hmm. I could see the things dropping in my in my trident, you know. Then yeah. I just bumped up my two-part yeah. just to be safe and it just worked out so perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Probably took a little bit yeah. of just like tweaking. You set the test to, uh, if you're using trident, I guess you set it to eight a day or 12 a day instead of <laughs> whatever, yeah. four. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I actually wish you could put it to just twice a day. I don't really think I need the alkalinity tested at six a.m. Four times a day, right? <laughs> yeah. I know. I yeah. know. Four yeah. times, and uh, I ended up getting the 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 knockoff version of the um, those uh, testing chemicals. Yeah. The, the agents. ABC. Sorry, yeah, the agents. Yeah. Oh, those are perfect. Like. Yeah. Uh, I can just uh, dial it into the system parameters and it just maintains those. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, I actually have been meaning to order some of the um, mix-it-yourself version of that that he sells, where it's I guess uh, you get yeah. the dry product and you uh-huh. mix it with, um, I think it's specifically oh. it's supposed to be distilled water, which I, right. I don't know what the real difference between reverse osmosis and distilled. It must have some uh-huh. different... Um, yeah, it's some different filtration. There could be silicates, right? Yeah. The reverse osmosis. So, yeah, that's the only difference I can think of. But Yeah, yeah. maybe distilled is just, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. it was a fact check episode. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they are, yeah. I agree, they're very accurate um, as far as, like, I switched over from maybe two bottles ago or two Trident changes ago, and um, I did a calibration when I first changed and mm-hmm. I've just been refilling the bottles and I'll test it against Salaford. And it's honestly, it's still just continuing to be oh, it's far. Uh, on. Yeah. So, and, and oh, wow. yeah, the only thing now is I don't just go on the Trident telling me when to refill the bottles. I actually have, like, sometimes a bottle will completely run out and I'll be like, oh crap, mm-hmm. like I let that run out. Mm-hmm. Like there's a problem, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but that's fine. I mean, you know, they can yeah. handle having that happen. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, you can just fill it up anytime and the reset tried and right and you are all good to go. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um yeah, so you're using tridents obviously. Um Yeah. 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 Do you, how often do you test uh, manually like kind of as far as like trusting uh, your trident versus you know like do you um, test manually? So if I see things drop like out of range, I just test that night to see whether it's accurate or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, if things are staying steady and stable, I do once a week. Yeah. I test for um, calcium, magnesium, and alkalinity yeah. every week. Okay. Um, yeah. that's, I yeah. think that's fair. I mean, and also, like, it's more like if you see a trend that is a bit odd. Like, you know, something's mm-hmm. just, I don't know, like... Uh, yeah, like if I really see, say, calcium dropping over the course of three or four days and nothing has mm-hmm. really changed, then then I mm-hmm. might do a test because, you know, those calcium, mm-hmm. the calcium, magnesium, I feel like are a little less consistent than the alkalinity component. Yes, I feel the same because I see like magnesium dropping and calcium going up. So the inverse thing, like I've been, I haven't changed anything in the last three, four days. So mm-hmm. I need to do a test and see what's going on. But yeah. It's kind of, yeah, that thing. Yeah, it might it's be not getting, accurate, right? Yeah, the reagent yeah. might be a little low. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely yeah. a good tool, especially when you're on vacation. <laughs> like you said. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what's your uh, kind of lighting setup look like? Are you running radions? What's your preference? Uh, so, I mean, I I have all Orpex, so okay. Atlantic. I have Atlantic V4 on my, old, on my, on my display. 
and the icons on my grow out that I started two years ago. So um, I got like four fixtures over the display and four fixtures over the over the grow out, and then I got mm-hmm. uh, the bars, the blue bars, yeah, uh, blue plus bars, yeah, all yeah. across. I've got quite so, a few of those bars too. Yeah, yeah. good pop for sure. So, uh, so yeah, so the. Atlantics are pretty like you can crank a ton of par out of those things. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. my my homeworker. So I didn't have a par meter for the long the longest time mm-hmm. until I got a great deal on it, like on BRS. You know, I just, I'm kind of at that point too. Nice. I'll probably get one if it's yeah. cheap, but I don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, they have the open box running, so you just put a put your email address in there. When mm-hmm. it's available, you'll get mail okay. and just grab it immediately. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and. I, I mean, my homeworker was sitting at 650 par. Wow. 650 to 700 par. I couldn't believe it. So it was getting a lot of par with all the bars and the picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so, like, what would you say your kind of average par is? Um, you know, what do you kind of uh, shoot for, like, as a consistency? So I didn't touch the display. I mean, the corals were super happy with the par. So I left it the way it is. But my my grow out is only 13, 13 inches deep, so mm-hmm. uh, I keep the par not more than four seventy five. So mm-hmm. it's between three seventy five and four seventy five in the in the grow out. Okay, and yeah. because of the shallow depth of the tank. Yeah, and there must be some yeah. outer edges and stuff where you can put. You know, that's a, like a lower par, but you'd say most of the tank yeah. is in that. 375 yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. but at the, at the edge i got the other bars you know to compensate for the drop in par so okay and uh, i ran the power meter throughout the tank and it was pretty consistent like okay at the edge of the tank itself i, I was getting 300 par okay almost, so. Cool. so there's yeah. really there's nowhere to, nowhere to hide then <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing with the power meter you know you can go across the tank and adjust the lights uh, so that you get that uniform par. Mm-hmm. So it's totally worth buying one. Yeah, uh, I felt. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. actually think um, you know there's something to that as well um, for you selling coral to people because people ask me about um, what par is this best under all the time, and I'm just kind of like, mm-hmm. all my racks are pretty mm-hmm. much in the same range. Like I, you know, there's a few corals that I kind of like tuck over to the edge, but. I'm only putting them over to the edge because I know they can tolerate less par um, because I only have so much room. But, um, you know, for the most part, it's like, you know, I've found some of those dragon type, like Cardus type um, Acroporas, mm-hmm. like they they uh, can adapt to like higher par range, no problem, you know, over time. And, oh, totally. You know, and if you're selling to people and you, you kind of say like, well, these corals, like they, they'll ask you, what's this under? What should this be under? It's like, you mm-hmm. just all just, they pretty much can all take a fair bit of par. Not saying that you shouldn't like still consider acclimatizing corals that you buy, but if you know like they're coming from oh, yeah. someone like you, um, you know, mm-hmm. like very few people are going to have way more par than you have, you know? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I just lost your video for yeah. a second there. Yeah. I think we're can good. you can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, uh, it's good. Uh, a second. And um, one thing I noticed, like people say speciosis can can't take par, mm-hmm. but my one of my nicest pieces sitting under four hundred par. Mm-hmm. You know, for and it's doing awesome. Yeah. So I don't know what to say. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and a ton of flow too. Yeah, I mean, something I would yeah. definitely do for 
like those wild corals is I would I would start them quite low and bring them up. But like um, yeah. you probably got that piece from Shane, I'm guessing um, your species yeah, yeah, that yeah. you have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I, it was at the low. So I was, it was in 250 to begin with. I slowly, slowly moved it up all the way to yeah. 400. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to know. Um, yeah. And I mean, maybe some of these corals in the wild wouldn't be under um, that amount of light, but um, that maybe this is mm-hmm. kind of how we're getting some of the better colors and pigments that, you know, we're kind of pushing things beyond nature in some ways. Mm-hmm. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, and there is still debate on whether the species does grow in deep water or it's more towards the surface. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, yeah, I really don't know. Like a couple of people say it lives on the surface, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just recorded an episode with uh, Eric from uh, Route 66, um, who's mm-hmm. an awesome wholesaler. And he said that uh, yes. they, they were in Malaysia back in 2016, kind of before any of the coral came out of there. And the guys mm-hmm. were on the boat and they were collecting, I guess it was LPS. But he said these guys mm-hmm. went way, way down to collect these LPS. Like he couldn't believe how oh. deep this stuff was coming up from. And, you know, they're bringing up lobos oh, wow. and torches and things like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, but mm-hmm. he didn't see the, S- the SPS collected at that point. So, um, oh, I see. Yeah. I see. So I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. Um, uh. Yeah, I, I, you know, we, we should get some info from someone in, in Malaysia that can kind of give Malaysia. us a little bit of a like reference because, uh, uh-huh. you know, you see pictures of, say, corals in Fiji and you see those like super shallow, you know, corals that are like even out in the sun when the tide's low. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mm-hmm. would doubt just based on the, stru- the structure of the skeleton on those speciosa and some of those other Malaysian acropora, mm-hmm. like I would say they're not necessarily going to be out at low tide, but... Mm-hmm. Hard to say. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, Maybe right. Exactly. Have to go to Malaysia, check for ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, I don't know if I asked you. So, as far as f- what do you feed your fish? Like, I know you were sort of talking about some coral foods and stuff, but it, do you say it's rods? That's kind of your fish food. Yeah, rods yeah. food, and yeah, rods food, and then uh, I got this one probiotic blend of of, of uh, pellets that I feed when I go on vacation. Uh, but I also got it like feeding the fish in the morning because I got some antheas in the display mm-hmm. and I see like two of them just disappear if I don't feed twice a day, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Those antheas with their little, yes. little stomachs, they're just not able to, Oh yes, yes. yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah. it gets some pellets as well, but my, my main food is, uh, rot food. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. We don't really have it in Canada, so maybe that's something I need to look into bringing in or something. Cause it, a lot of people seem to use it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And he's not too far from here. He lives probably an hour or two from yeah. Chicago. So kind of local to me. So, yeah, that's yeah. handy. Yeah, for sure. Especially for frozen foods. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, is there any, like, have you ever had like a parameter, like say salinity or like a temperature swing or something that was out of the ordinary that you actually noticed, like, could potentially have a benefit? Like, what's your thoughts on elevated temperature um, or things um, like that? Like, essentially increased I metabolism, feel, you know? Yeah, once, like, I was doing some cleanup in my sump and my temperature probe came out of the water. Mm-hmm. And the temperature starts to shoot up. And then, uh, I mean, I find out, you know, what was going on and put the probe back. 
but that night I think my my torch has spawned, you know, so yeah. with the elevated temperature. <laughs> yeah. It's a, so, because yeah, because I've wondered about that sometimes. Is like you know sometimes we'll learn something um, from. Uh, I think Adam Battle Corals was telling me about kind of overdosing nickel and thinking like, oh, my corals actually look better than ever with this like nickel that's outside <laughs> of the, <laughs> you know, the oh, acceptable wow. range. But um, yeah. obviously everything has a, a maximum point. Um, but I've been thinking about <laughs> temperature lately a little bit and I'm not really yeah. looking to increase growth rates. But, you know, like um, going back to like older style tanks where like, you know, when I used to run metal halides, tank my tanks would run kind of 80 to 83 was kind of like my mm. my standard you know i just uh, couldn't get it any cooler than that um oh yeah yeah if i, I tried to say something about that yeah yeah the, so i was running my tank 79 80 degrees mm. when, I, when I, didn't, I didn't have a basement in my old house so in my new house i have the whole sump and everything in the basement and display on the first floor mm -hmm. i am able to run my system at 76 Mm -hmm. um, and everything seems to be happy. Like, even when some fishes, like, I had some fish, I had like two or three spots of egg on it. And it was, it was like, I didn't do any medication. Like, the egg just went away. Yeah. I don't know whether it's because the temperature is low and those things cannot flourish, you know, mm -hmm. but it seems to have a positive impact on even the torches. And the, I feel like they like mm -hmm. the lower temperature, I feel. Yeah, that would general. make sense too, especially yeah. if they're a little deeper as far as like where they're collected. Um, it's probably a lot cooler down mm -hmm. there. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because yeah, the, I mean, the risk is like higher temperature, higher metabolism, maybe, um, mm -hmm. you know, some of those bad bacteria strains and things like that have a better chance of mm -hmm. taking, taking over off. being an issue, or yeah. especially fish disease, mm -hmm. like you say. Yeah. Do you run mm -hmm. any UV or you were talking about ozone, but. Oh, no, no. So I stopped ozone um, like a month or two ago. I, I, I did a test for a few, few, few months and uh, the smell, even with like putting carbon, the smell is there, you know. So I hear it's a weird smell. <laughs> like, yeah, it's weird, yeah. Yeah. And it will cause like holes in your lungs, you know, if you breathe it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of dangerous as well. So I just stopped using it. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I even stopped running a UV sterilizer because it's going to kill even the good bacteria, right? So Yeah, totally. So my thinking is like to keep that good bacteria growth steady and going no UV and I just feed carbon source to just maintain that good bacteria. Yeah. Yeah. System, I like that. You know? I like that idea for sure. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also think that running UV 24 seven is, it's just another potential failure point in a system too. Mm -hmm. Like, um, like I have mm -hmm. UVs on my system and I ha still haven't decided after a year and a half or whatever that I've been running them. Mm -hmm. um, if they really do anything good for my tanks um mm -hmm. and one thing i've always done if i've ever gone away for a weekend or gone on a vacation is i unplug that uv before i go because um oh. you know if if something happens with that bulb or, or you know mm -hmm. return pumps off and then turns mm -hmm. back on that that bulb mm -hmm. could crack it's just another thing that you know because we have to yeah. look at the things that actually have the capability of like crashing the system not just kind of like oh, yeah. going a little bit sideways it's like that's actually mm -hmm. something that could be pretty dangerous mm -hmm. if it's not maintained well so um mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. no i think i'm for that and kind of starting to think yeah you know um yeah it's i mean good you asked that question i just dropped the uv two or three months ago 
mm-hmm. because I was not seeing any benefits by running it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And maybe yeah. there's a rate, I think, because there's a rate that's more for bacteria and there's one that's more for pathogens like fish diseases. So your mm-hmm. your rate of, of flow through it makes a difference. So, you know, something to okay. look into and I can sort of maybe fact check this when I finally do a fact check episode is, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, are there certain rates for UV that might be better for not wiping out, um, you know, good strains of bacteria in the water column? You know, mm-hmm. but that yeah, being right, said, right. I mean, my understanding is a lot of the better bacteria strains in the tank are on the surfaces anyways. So, um, on oh, the surface, water mm-hmm. oh, I see. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, actually uh-huh. that brings me to a question uh, I've kind of, uh, asked quite a few people on here is, um, do you run a lot of, I mean, you have a display, but then you've also got your frag system. Um, what's your thinking on live rock? Like, do you think the more the merrier, or do you think you can get away with like almost no rock? I have a ton of rocks that I've been collecting in the last 15 years. Yeah. And there is no place for it to go. So <laughs> it ends up in the sump. It ends up in the refugium. It's like I'm overloaded with rocks, you know. So yeah. I think it kind of helps with the stability of the system in general. Mm-hmm. Um, even like back in the day in 2008, I got rocks straight from Tonga. So it had some original stuff, like some of those uh, um sponges on it like mm-hmm. nice colorful ones and yeah. it is it is spread across my display it's kind of cool like to see it more natural looking yeah with those live rocks so i mean i'm all for live rocks yeah cool yeah so yeah. you're kind of the on in the more the merrier camp um yeah, yeah. and that's interesting yeah. actually having a lot of sponge growth is uh gonna be good for your silicate levels if you've got silicone or silicates that are getting in oh yeah, that's funny. Like, so there is one one point my silicate dropped below normal range, and I had to dose silicate. Oh wow! Yeah, I had to buy this huge, huge bottle of silicates and like <laughs> make a mix and dose some in. <laughs> yeah, that, it could be the sponges. Yeah. Apparently, are yeah. are um that's something that they use, I guess, to build their 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 little mm-hmm. spongy bodies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, what one yeah. thing um like Ray Pirates Reef doesn't run a ton of rock. Um, like a few uh-huh. pieces. Um, and there was another system that was, um, you know, almost like would cycle a system with live rock, but then just didn't, Mm. didn't just took it out of the sump once the system was full of coral because the coral and the, essentially the surfaces are, are maybe enough to, um, you know, Mm -hmm. support. But like you say, I I mean, I've always had a lot of rock in my sumps, um, even in tanks Mm -hmm. that were display tanks, I've always had rock in the sumps. Um, and I think it does help with the stability um, you know, and it's a buffer for, um, you know, probably, I don't know, probably your nitrates Hello? and, oh, yeah, cut. are we good? Yeah, you cut a little bit choppy. I think you are cutting off in between, but yeah, 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 yeah it's better now. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. I, I wonder too if, you know, because you and I are both adding nitrates and phosphates uh, to keep those mm-hmm. levels up, maybe if we had less mm-hmm. rock or no rock, um, you know, we wouldn't have to add those. Uh, the only thing I noticed, so when I started my my uh, grow out, the 150 gallon, I had no rock in it. It was all completely bare. Mm-hmm. But um, the corals were having a tough time growing. But at the same time, I had the carbon issue at the same time. So mm-hmm. I ended up adding a few pieces of rock in there because some of my friends suggested maybe it needs a few pieces of rock at least in there. So, I mean, it really didn't help that much because I... The main issue was carbon. Once that was mm-hmm. that was resolved, everything 
yeah. got back to normal. So I'm thinking there is no need for all these rocks in my system since yeah. you, you're bringing this up, you know, so... And <laughs> yeah, the problem is you want to keep that rock alive. So, um, you know, what are you going to do with it? If you start pulling rock out, you kind of need to either just commit to uh, letting the, you know, letting it essentially die off as far as the bacteria on it and just put it in a, put it under the porch or something, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and the good thing is like a lot of that, my rock is Tonga branch, the originals mm. from, uh, from Tonga. So those are just beautiful. And I, I get the scape done. So because of, that with caves and stuff so mm-hmm. i mean but but those big fiji rocks i can definitely take it out yeah and they probably just store it in the garage to make some space you know? yeah totally but, yeah. yeah that that tonga rock is pretty special um yeah i guess yeah. people don't know about it it's like big thick kind of staghorn branches and and I, I wonder what those corals looked like actually like had they been a coral oh. at some point were these these just massive staghorns like Oh, I have to say to say the story. So I was in Barrier Reef back in 2015. So I dived down 50 feet down where the the staghorns grow. Yeah. The staghorns grow all the way at the bottom. It is like a forest. It's never ending. You couldn't see the end of that whole mm-hmm. staghorn forest. And the the branches are like uh, four, three or four inch thick. You know. Wow. Crazy. Huge branches Sorry. all the way from the way bottom. So. Where did you say this was? <laughs> This was in the Barrier Reef in Australia. Oh, okay, Barrier Reef. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just insane to just to see that. Yeah, yeah. I bet. Yeah, I, I was in uh, Bali. Um, trying to think now, was it this year? Yeah, it was earlier this year. Um, and uh-huh. um, there's an area that uh, just it's all these sort of Formosa type staghorns. It's just just like you say. It's mm-hmm. just a just a field of it. They all, you know, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, not as thick of branches. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. Yeah, I think yeah, it's definitely a good call to hold on to that original live rock. Like, um, I I probably hoard it a little bit. Like, you know, I've never sold any of the live rock I've ever had, besides a few mm-hmm. pieces, or given people a few pieces just to seed their systems. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's just we don't know if we're ever gonna have the real stuff again. Um, most of the rock that comes in is is the aquaculture stuff. So right, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like some of those are yellow sponges, some orange sponges, like all kinds of. I have like three or four different colors of sponges in my system. It's pretty cool, mm-hmm. like with those. Cool. The live rock from Tonga brought in. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's it's. Yeah. But it brings in all the bad stuff too, you know. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. There's always risks. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, um, let's maybe I do these rapid fire questions. So I'm, I'm going to hit you with these and we can mm-hmm. kind of see how yeah. how fast it goes through. And, uh, and sure. then I, I got to run after that. So and I know you probably okay. do, too. So, OK, so yeah, yeah. first question is uh, and you can answer in any kind of way. You can say a scientific name, a trade name or whatever. <laughs> Just, you know, mm-hmm. be creative if you want. Mm-hmm. So uh, favorite yeah. fish. Um. Leopard dress. Uh, the uh, the 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 what is it? The, the Australian leopard dress. Yeah. The, the orange one. Yeah. Cool. Are they? That's I, my favorite. Are they hard to get feeding? Like, have you? What's your experience with them? Um. They so they come in. They ship very badly. So they come in like beaten up, and then mm-hmm. they go hiding under the sand. Uh, once they come out, they need the live foods to mm-hmm. establish. But once they 
once across the week, one week time, they, they are good to go for yeah. years, you know. So start on live yeah. foods and then they might start getting used to eating. Okay. Used to the, yeah, the yeah. frozen food, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. that's yeah. good to know. Cool. Yeah. Um, could you pick what one favorite SPS? Um, one favorite is the Angry Birds Genoas. Yeah, my, the Refraff yeah. USA one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our USA, awesome. Angry Birds. Cool. The colors are insane. Yeah. yeah. Totally, especially if you get those gold gold in the polyps too, right? Like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, favorite LPS? Um, torches. Yeah. The, uh, my favorite is, favorite is the CC24K. Yeah. Um, Holy Grail. I mean, I have, uh, I started off with two heads of that and it's like probably 10, 15 heads right now. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Well, maybe your one of your favorites will be the uh, the the special one that you grew <laughs> from. Oh, the new one. <laughs> yeah, that could be that could be a yeah. favorite. Cool. Right. Um, I don't know how much you keep for softies, but do you have a favorite softie type or specific? Uh, soft. Um, I just have a bunch of Yuma mushrooms that mm -hmm. just took off and taking over. I mean, those are nice, but I want to get one of those original bounce mushrooms one of these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's one thing I'm looking forward to get at some point. Yeah, the OG bounce is pretty crazy. Yeah. Definitely a must have. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I know you're using um, you're using Orfec Atlantics. Would you say you have a favorite light product or say favorite source of light? I mean, my favorite is still the Reflex 12K uh, 400 watts radium bar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that gave me the best growth. Like things just grew exponentially in like one year my tank was filled up yeah crazy and i so, mean the thing with, yeah. yeah the thing with metal highlights too is you just you just turn them on they turn on and they yeah. turn off there's no tweaking <laughs> you know exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally yeah yeah i mean yeah. our are great but i mean it grows in nice colors everything so nothing nothing to complain but not the same rate of growth you know back in the day yeah solid thing. yeah for sure. Yeah. Um, if you were to kind of use one product line, um, say like Tropic Marin or or Fauna Marin or Red Sea, um, to kind of maintain an entire system, like who would you kind of say is, would be your favorite product line overall? Like if somebody had put a gun to your head and was like, you can only use <laughs> one <laughs> product line. <laughs> you know, with the colors I got, I I would stick with Red Sea actually. Yeah. Yeah. Red Sea has or, such a vast product line too. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, even the salt is okay. You know, it, it's not going to screw you over. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with the issues and stuff, like they're pretty consistent. Generally. Yeah, they definitely seem to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, I usually ask aquarium controller. Do you have any experience with any controllers other than um, the Apex? Apex. Would you say mm, that's no, kind that of your? A, yeah. Probably than uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, what about uh, wave pump? What do you like for wave pumps? Uh, so I have the MP60s on my display, mm -hmm. uh, but with my growout, I got a few J-Bow mm -hmm. um, uh, wave makers, and those seems to be working perfect, great, you know, no issues, nothing, mm -hmm. and like one for the price, and is doing the job, so. I probably will switch up, switch everything over to J-Bow, yeah. you know, eventually. Yeah, Leonardo's Reef is 100% uh, yeah. J-Bow, like even his dosers and stuff, I think, are all J-Bow. So, yeah, I mean, sure, yeah, uh, for the price. <laughs> totally. I mean, with the dosers, I won't go without, without yeah. yeah, with the dosers, I won't trust because it yeah. won't 
don't do it yeah, but with the pumps i've been running it for two years and i had no issues you know so yeah that's good um but yeah cool mm-hmm. uh what is your most despised pest uh i would say the flat worms yeah acropora flat worms uh it took such a long time to get it off. Get it off. I know mm. Ryan said pen bed and all works. Yeah, but, yeah. We've been kind of uh, discussing what a potentially an in tank dose could look like uh, without affecting. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, yeah, totally. But yeah, but yeah, the old school way yeah, is is pulling all the colonies out. You know, having everything removable, dipping. making sure you get all the eggs, dipping them in intervals. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's no fun. For sure. Yeah, I would agree. They're probably exactly. the worst pest. At least things like, you know, acro bugs, like you can you can treat interceptor. Yeah. And, um... Interceptor takes care of everything else, you mm-hmm. know. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah. I know, like one of my friends said, there is this one black flatworm. It's smaller. It's not like the regular flatworm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It yeah. is so tiny. The, half the, the new size. acropora eating flatworms. There's oh, an article on reef, reef builders. Yeah, they're kind of a purple kind yeah. of color. Yeah. And... And our platform is nothing compared to that one. That oh, one would destroy a colony in a day or two. They're way more damaging, Ever. and they lay yeah. scattered eggs. And I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. this sort of gestation period is a lot shorter than <laughs> the, <laughs> the other ones. Um, but yeah. I discovered via quarantine system that um, these peppermint shrimp that come from Jakarta, the uh, lysmata lys, lys, uh, quekenthali, those ones mm-hmm. eat the purple flatworms and their eggs. 100% eat them. Oh, with the new ones? Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. The AW. So, yeah, because yeah, okay, what I did excellent. is I set up um, this. It's the same tank that's kind of my hospital tank. And I put like 25 yeah. of those yeah. guys in there. And I had a, uh, a colony in the quarantine system that had those purple flatworms. And I put it in uh-huh. there and immediately saw them literally just chowing down on them. Like, like that's in unbelievable. No time. But I think, that's you know, awesome. if you had a big display... Yeah. I don't know uh-huh. if they would work for you. I think it's like the concentration yeah. of like a lot of numbers in a smaller tank where, and I wasn't feeding them a ton. I feed them every mm-hmm. couple of days. So they're probably yeah. really hungry and they're a little more desperate, but they went right for I them. I see. So, oh, nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh-huh. good, okay. good info. Okay. Well, the last question is um, a thought experiment, I guess. Um, if you kind of had the financial means and the sort of situation in your life to, do so would you set up a reef tank like the polo reef tank the fourteen thousand gallon polo reef <laughs> would you do it right or, or if so what would you do differently um i would try to like build not such a big tank probably make it more wider and shallower so that i it's more of a shallow reef than a deep reef like that mm-hmm. um and probably grow out all the <laughs> all the corals available, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. But you yeah. would do it. You would have it in your home, just a little different oh, totally. dimensions. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, in the, we're talking hypothetically. You can hire all the best people you want as well, right? So, exactly. Uh, you yeah. can still go on totally. vacation. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, Anan, thanks for making this happen. It's uh, tons of good info in this convo. I think so. Oh, great. Yeah. Nice chatting with you. Yeah, we should yeah, man. keep in touch. You know, I still have a lot of questions for you. So, yeah, totally. To um, yeah, turn the tables <laughs> sometime. Um, but uh, yeah, we can always chat and bounce ideas around for sure, man. <laughs>
All right. Cool. All right. Sounds Thanks. good. Yeah. Okay. Well, have Thank a good you. afternoon. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Cheers. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode with Anan Kaimel from Collectors Corals. Make sure you check out his website at collectorscorals.com and I will leave links to his other media in the show notes below. And if you have any suggestions for future guests, want to just ask us a question, make a suggestion, make a criticism, whatever you want to say, feel free to reach out at beyondthereefpod at gmail.com. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and leave us a review. And if you're looking for high quality aquacultured corals in Canada, please check us out at fraggarage.ca. Hope to hear from you soon.